Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, or welcome if this is your first time hanging out with us in the Todd Purgs Lounge. <laughs> Loungy. <laughs> I'm Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today we are talking a boot. A boot. A boot. I got a little Canadian going because we've been watching a lot of hockey lately. <laughs> and those announcers have fabulous Canadian accents. Oh, love it. Love that. Today we are talking to our kids about gender identities. Gender. Hot topic. Hot topic. Hot topic. That's hot. Wait, is that Hot Pockets? <laughs> That's Hot Pockets. Oh, yep. These kids are like, what? Yeah, they don't know what Hot Pockets is and they don't know what Hot Topic is, but I know what Hot Topic is. <laughs> That's that store at the mall where you could get oh yes, a Metallica t-shirt right next to fake poop or was that Spencer Gifts? Oh no, that was more Spencer Gifts. I think they merged though. At some point, Hot Topic was like 579. Remember? Oh, I remember 579, yeah. Oh, you remember 579. And then it was like Hot Topic 579 Spencer's. And it was like, that's Claire's. No, all of those. It was like all together in the mall. And then all of a sudden, like, somebody bought us. Because Hot Topic then became like the place where you can get Metallica t-shirts and fake print. Yeah. And before that, Hot Topic was more just like clubby clothes. Clubby clothes, yes. Yes. So gender is the Hot Topic. These days. And you might be thinking to yourself, much like our episode about talking to our kids about being anti-racist, is it too soon? Is it too early? What's a good age to start talking about and really thinking about gender and gender identity Mm -hmm. and how we as parents and caregivers can support our kids no matter what? No matter. No matter what. What. And that kind of starts from jump. An article on... The Children's Hospital of Philadelphia website, When Do Children Develop Their Gender Identity? They say a child begins to have an innate sense of their gender identity between ages three and five. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so true. So true. Yes. And they say around this time, they also start to pick up on the subtle and not so subtle gender expectations in their family, their daycare, their search for that gender identity, and their community. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so true. If you think about It's kind of like hard to think about a little bit is when you truly look at the world through eyes that you're trying to step back and have an objective view. Yeah. How quickly we put our children into these gender boxes. It's insane. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. Because I'm trying to like stay woke. I'm trying to like Mm -hmm. relearn. Right. Sure. Try not to judge Outside forces, especially when it comes to old school family member thinking, you know. Of course. But then like sometimes my son will come home and he will say things like about like, you know, like girls playing sports. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. But it's just interesting how he's not getting that here in this house. You know what I'm saying? But he's getting it out in the world, wherever that may be. And it's just like, and no matter how many times I say, well, actually, no, like, you know, girls can play baseball. <laughs> and then my three-year-old goes, you play ball like a girl <laughs> from Sandlot because that's one of her favorite movies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember you telling me that's one of her favorite movies. I have not seen that in 20 years. I got to watch it. It's so good. And she absolutely loves it. So it's just like, it's so weird how to just like manage it and navigate it when like so much of it is just like society. Yeah, it's beyond your control. And it's funny that you use the word society because the World Health Organization defines gender as gender refers to the characteristics of women, men, girls, and boys that are socially constructed. There it is. There it is. 
And the WHO says this includes norms, behaviors, and roles associated with being a woman, man, girl, or boy, mm. as well as relationships with each other. As a social construct, gender varies from society to society and can change over time. I mean. Whew. And there's no, there's in our, in American society, mm-hmm. it seems like it's so black or white. Or it has yeah. been. It's so black or white. And even the idea to like change it or to you know, be a man and paint your nails. It's like, what? So speaking of, I painted my son's nails and we were out. This is, we were in Charleston at the time and we were out and a woman commented on me painting his nails. Really? Oh, who painted your nails? I was like, I did. And he said, yeah, my mom did. I was like, wait, wait, why do we have a problem with this? Why are we talking about this? Unless you're complimenting my work, and yes, yes. I uh, will always paint nails for money. <laughs> How much you got? Honey, you like them? <laughs> I can get you a full set. <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is we play nail salon too, and it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed in myself, because I feel like a lot of this, just like the anti-racist work we're all doing, a lot of this is so ingrained in us. Oh. From childhood, from society, from our surroundings. And again, maybe not even our parents. Like you said, Blair, where is my kid getting this? He's not getting it at home. here. But, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. So I love playing nail salon. I love getting my own nails done. So I get it. I get why he wants to do his nails, do my nails. I do his nails. There's also a creative expression of that. Like, yeah, choose every color, my man. Yeah. But I have found myself, and it's it's, I'm a little uh, ashamed to admit this, Encouraging him to use the non-feminine colors so that nobody in society makes fun of him. Same, 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 same. And I'll tell you this, Molly, when she saw his nails, the first thing I thought was, thank God I painted them blue. Mm -hmm. Because then it can be seen as fun or edgy or rock star or Harry Styles, although Harry Styles does a real nice pink. Love him, love him. His nails look so good all the time. Damn you, Harry Styles. But yes, and I do... Again, I am ashamed to say that, but that's like that systemic gender construct that even I subscribe to mm-hmm. inadvertently. I do not mean to do it. He should be able to do whatever he wants. Of course. But I'm trying to protect him. You're trying to protect him and you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah. That's it. Mostly him. I didn't want any kids to make fun of him because I didn't want him to stop doing it. Of course. I want him to keep wanting to do nail salon, you know, because we all know that that kind of stuff changes because we are so impacted by the people around us at a certain point. Exactly. Cause, and what we're afraid of is that moment when he does realize that it's, oh, right? It's not about me being creative. I'm trying to be something that I'm not gender wise. Which is, and then you can't undo it because then they learn these things and then they become like judgmental upon themselves and their confidence and all the things get affected as their brains get bigger and their esteem starts to, ugh, parenting is hard. And you don't want to be noticed at a certain point. I mean, yeah, I remember wanting everybody just wants to fit in at a certain point. At a certain point, it shifts. You're less interested in what your parents think. And then you're so much more interested. I remember my mom saying to me, I was in like seventh grade mm. and I was wearing sort of like a ski sweater and it had a lot of different colors. It was mostly teal on the bottom. And then it had one of those Nordic oh, yeah. mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. things under the collar, you know, like the pattern that had a lot of different colors. And I had Picked out, and I think I was wearing it with red pants because it was like a red stripe in that pattern. All right, let's see what you did there. Well, you know, I still got it. Still got it. I will still <laughs> match a pattern like nobody's business. 
But I do remember one of my peers in seventh grade looking at me. And again, she just wants to fit in too. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, look at Molly's outfit today. Let's count the colors today. I wonder if she's wearing more colors than yesterday. Mm. One, okay, we got pants. And I was like, I didn't want that attention on myself because it didn't feel good. Of course not. <laughs> it wasn't a compliment. You feel othered. Oh, yes. And gosh forbid that we feel othered when we're Ay-yi-yi. 12 years old and all we want is for people to like us, right? And my mom, years and years ago, she may not even remember it now, but she pointed that out to me as a moment where she observed that I all of a sudden stopped wearing as many colors. I all of a sudden oh. stopped, you know, wearing clothes that were a little bit different, a little bit out there, like... She said, yeah, and and then you were wearing jeans and T-shirts like everybody else. And I was like, oh, I don't remember that, but I believe it. Like Just one comment took the color out of your world. Yeah. It may have been even more than that or, you know, building up to that or something. But at a certain point, I was like, I don't need this negative attention. (laughs) You're like, I'm good. I'm good. So then I started to curb who I was, (laughs) which is awful. (laughs) Which is is what we do. But it's something that we... Because we now know better, and I really do feel like society is trying to do better. Yes. That we can now, you know, relearn and impart this better knowledge to our kids. Yes. I really hope so. Let them be who they be. I really hope so, too, Mom. Let them be who they be. And I think it is a title shift. Mm. Obviously, we have so much more work to do. Mm. I mean... When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Toddler to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. The fact that people whose gender identities don't fall inside of the societal norm that we've all known, it puts them at great risk. It's really, you know, it can be hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. I feel right now hard to talk about it. So that's our work here today is we're going to talk about gender identity, looking at our kids, you know, our demographic is between zero and six. And we're going to, we know that kids become acutely aware of their gender starting at age three or so. So we're right in the hot pocket (laughs) of gender. I don't know if that callback worked, but here we are. (laughs) So, and we're going to talk about what we can do going into it to support our kids with their gender identity. 
And that really starts from jump. That starts from really like when our kids are born. Yeah. What boxes are we inadvertently putting them in? Because all we want to do is keep our kids safe. That's it. Like, I get it. I get that box. I get it. I do not criticize that box. I get it. Because we want our kids to be safe from harm. But are we doing more harm than good for some of our kids by doing that? Right. And we'll talk about that more when we get back. Stick around. Hey, everybody. We're back on Toddler Purgatory talking about gender identity. How do I talk to my preschooler? About gender identity. We're in a singy mood today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if you are talking about a tough pocket, <laughs> now I have hot pockets on the brain. <laughs> a tough topic, it helps to like sing your thoughts. <laughs> sing it out. Sing it out, Louise. That's what I do all the time. That's why my children sing all the time because everything I talk to them about is like, anything serious you talk to my kids about, they're going to sing to you. Because I always sing when I'm nervous. Yes, about serious conversations. I get it. Mm-hmm. So how do we sing to our preschoolers about gender identity? <laughs> There's an article on PlannedParenthood.org. How do I talk with my preschooler about identity? We now know that uh, our kids are thinking about gender stuff starting at age three. So the first thing we have to do, and we learned this, didn't we, in other topics as well, is consider your own values regarding gender. Mm-hmm. That is so true to really look Inside, like Britt Hawthorne said in our anti-racism episode, you really have to examine yourself. <laughs> like, Yeah, you do. And check it and sit with it. Mm-hmm. And sit with it and be like, okay. So before you even think about kind of talking to your kid or having these conversations, consider what messages you want to send to your child. Mm. And that would mean that you're more prepared to talk to them when the subject comes up. In this article, they say maybe you want your child to feel free to express themselves however they want. Maybe you want them to feel they can accomplish anything no matter what their gender is. Maybe you want them to grow up to appreciate the contributions people of all genders make in their lives in the world. Let me tell you something. They all stand out to me, but that last one really sings to me. Yeah, I was just about to say. Were you going to say the same thing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like looking at the books he has around him and making sure that the heroes aren't all Caucasian boys. (laughs) Exactly. Just making sure that... It's so true. Like, what is that book? I'm sitting here trying to remember. And it's about all of the female, you know, uh, change makers. Oh, yes. What yes, 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 yes. We have it, too. What is it? Ooh, I don't know. It's like Malala's in it and Michelle Obama. Yes, we have it. Oprah, of course. <laughs> Oprah, obviously. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing on this list. Be thoughtful about your choices. So you want to consider your own values regarding gender and then look around you and be thoughtful about your choices when it comes to books, toys, entertainment, clothes. <gasps> I was about to say, that's like my big thing, especially like when both my kids, we did not find out the gender of our, the sex of our kid, both of them. And mainly it was because I am such like out of the box with my like clothing choices anyway. Yeah. That I didn't want to be stuck with a bunch of pink and blue stuff oh yeah especially if you don't want to know ahead of time exactly and so i was just like because you tell other people and they're going to be like boom exactly so i was like let's not do that but now that their own you know little kids i tell you i had a hard time dressing my baby girl because i was fighting against putting her in like really cute little dresses i really because i'm not a frou-frou frilly girl will i Yes. Do I like it? Yes. Is it me? Not really. But you're not going to turn down a Farm Rio dress if somebody offers it to you, okay? Girl. Girl, Farm Rio? Please sponsor us. Please. 
Your dresses, they high in. They're very expensive, but I love them so. They run small. So beautiful. I will say they run small because they're Brazilian. They do. They do. And I feel like their cut is just a little bit different. But boy, oh boy, if you can get one that, you know, fits you right. Boy, does that. Boy, are they beautiful. Ooh. Ooh, all the colors. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) But I fought it so much. And then now that she is of her own Mm -hmm. self, which is a lot of it, she's thinking like, she loves dresses and she loves frilly skirts and she loves, you know, the princess stuff. And I fought it when I was the sole provider and, you know, but now that she's choosing her own, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yes, this is something that she's choosing, right? Yes. And then that was in one of the articles I read too, is like, if your kid also is just choosing, you know, we can only go so far to be mindful of our choices at a certain point when they start to choose. If they choose things like your girl chooses princessy things and your boy chooses dinosaurs and monster trucks, that's okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids at this age do that and that's A-okay. You don't have to be stressed about that either. And for some reason, me reading that, I was like, okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, good. It's fine. We're not doing anything wrong, you know? And I just want to clarify one thing on that WHO article because, Blair, you said you didn't know the gender or the sex and I do the same thing. I sort of use those two words interchangeably. So I just want to clarify. Right. We talked about gender as a social construct. So WHO says gender interacts with, but is different from the sex of somebody, which ref- sex refers to the different biological and physiological characteristics oh, okay. right, 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 of right. females, males, intersex persons, such as chromosomes, hormones, reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. Gender and sex are related to, but different from gender identity. Gender identity refers to a person's deeply felt internal and individual experience of gender, Mm. which may or may not correspond to the person's physiology or designated sex at birth. So just wanted to make sure we clarify that. So does gender, I mean, when when you think about it, is it even like necessary? Can't we just be people? That's so interesting. Is gender irrelevant? Yeah. Right? Is how we go pee-pee relevant? Can we as human beings not... It's like we're trying to find ways to, this is hard to talk about. I should sing it. But aren't we trying to find ways to label somebody? (laughs) Like, I feel like we're all just trying to keep things in order. I guess to order. It's like order. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can put you here and I can put you there. And that gives me a sense of calm or control. Yeah, or peace. Yeah, because organization helps me like function. Yes. So people, that's why people get so rattled. Mm-hmm. when somebody's gender identity falls outside of mm-hmm. the traditional categorization, people get flustered, people get defensive, mm-hmm. people get angry mm-hmm. because they feel like life is out of your control. Well, this just in, y'all. Life is so crazy <laughs> in general, much less the last two and a half years. Oh, it's going to continue to be a bumpy ride. Bah. Call up. I got to tell you, though, I have some students who are non-gender conforming, mm-hmm. and I am blown away and quite jealous, honestly, of how free they are. Yeah. Of just how, like, they're just, like, living the world, not giving a toot-toot, beep-beep. Mm-hmm. And then their friends and loved ones and compadres around them are just like, yeah, cool, whatever. It's just so different than how we grew up. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? Some of that is generational. I mean, not even some of it. I think, Blair, you and I were just talking about this article in the New York Times, and it's revealing the percentage of, right, or like the age percentages of transgender people. 
And the biggest rise in transgender people is in that age group, that younger age group. And a lot of it is because it's right here. The analysis relying on government health surveys conducted from 2017 to 2020 estimated that 1.4 percent of 13 to 17 year olds and 1.3 percent of 18 to 24 year olds were transgender compared with about 0.5% of all adults. Wow. And one of the biggest things they say is they increasingly have the language and social acceptance to explore their gender identities, whereas older adults may feel more constrained. There it is. But where do we put, this is my question, where do we put the kibosh on it, right? As parents, where certain things aren't acceptable or you, okay, this is the road that you're traveling in, Mm -hmm. then this is, you know, like, don't veer too far off. Because that's my protection mode, right? Right. Like if my son wanted to start wearing skirts, all like frilly skirts, let me tell you, I am to the core of me, I don't care. Yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. The outside of me, Mm -hmm. I'm breaking in hives thinking about it. Because of what the outside world will think of your son and whether or not he'll stay safe. Or how he'll have the words to say, this, it's a skirt. It's a piece of clothes. It makes me feel good and fun, and I'm wearing it. Yeah. Most adults don't have that language. They don't. You're right. They don't. Of course. And you shouldn't have to defend yourself from wearing a piece of clothing. Yep. Or painting your nails. Or doing your hair funky. Or fun. Yep. Ugh. The biggest thing we can do is to just support them at home. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you something, like, defend them outside the home. Yeah. I know we can't always be there with them, but... Ugh. Being their ally, yeah. Yeah, being their ally. A strong ally and being the words, being the vocabulary that they don't have. And maybe some steps we can take to give them the strength to be able to be themselves out in the world because we know they're going to have societal pressure. We know they're going to have peer pressure, friggin' peer pressure. Ugh. Mm. Start from the beginning. So they say, be thoughtful about your choices, about books and entertainment, all the stuff you surround your little one with. Mm -hmm. And one thing they say, which really stood out to me too, is these choices really have an influence on what your kid's understanding of gender is and what it means. Mm. So putting daughters in pink princess rooms and boys in blue sports rooms before they're old enough to choose for themselves. That's the key. Mm, mm-hmm. Give them a princess room if they want to be a princess when they're you know old enough to say. But I think it's like being born into, to the men are born, to the princess room born, right. puts these expectations on them and can send the message that they have to like certain things because of their gender. Yeah. And if they don't like those things, there must be something wrong with them. That's the message it sent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then the other thing is when you are picking a new toy or book or you sign your kid up for a new activity, and this really stood out to me because my son, we signed him up for gymnastics, which he loved. He asked to sign up for it. And then he kind of moved away from it because he started implying that gymnastics, there'd be no boys. There were no boys. Uh, right. It was seven yeah. girls and him. So we didn't want to do it. Then he saw the descendants and how much they were flipping around. And I told him that was called acrobatics and it's a part of gymnastics. Now he wants to take gymnastics again. So he's like, I'm back. Hey, girls. I feel like I reference the descendants way too often. (laughs) But boy, do I love it. It's a great. It's so it's so fun. It's so fun. Great. So when you're picking that up, ask yourself these questions to help you think through whether or not you're reinforcing gender stereotypes. And these are, again, looking inside of ourselves. So much of this work is on us, not them. So much. Ugh. So think to yourself, would I feel comfortable with this choice if my kid wasn't the gender they are? Mm. Why or why not? Mm. This is a great one. Does this choice expand or limit my kid's expectations of who they could grow up to be? Wow. Are you expanding or limiting? Mm. That's a good one. That's a great question. Oh, that's good. Oh, as I go over all the times I've limited my child. (laughs) 
Oh, of course. <laughs> we could beat ourselves up all day. Don't do it. Oh, don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do don't it. Do and then it's, does my kid generally like things like this already, or am I picking it just because of their gender? Mm. That's a good one. And you know what this all comes down to, Blair? Mm. Listening to our children. That's it. That's all it is. That's it. Being open-eyed and open-eared to our kids. They're not too young to know. Your three-year-old knows what they like and what they don't like. If they want to take ballet, all right. Cool. Don't force them to jujitsu just because you're afraid that your little girl isn't doing enough, you know, or is doing too many gender-specific things. Just listen to them because they're an individual person. Yeah. And it does – and also – and something that I've had to check myself with too is like – just because he likes Gabby's dollhouse just as much as my three-year-old does doesn't mean that it's something negative that's going to influence him or it's something mm-hmm. negative that he's just like watching a show that's interesting. And what I'm missing is that, oh, this isn't a girly show. This isn't about a girl who likes cats. This is a show that he's learning so many different things about in a different way than he does when he watches his Spider-Man cartoons right yes oh it's like that constant like hold up Blair it ain't that serious that's such a good point Blair because I feel like sometimes my husband and I are so invested in our son being open-minded being not um, limited by gender roles that sometimes we and I think in a positive way might jump to conclusions just as somebody might jump to those conclusions in a negative way like if your son likes to wear pink frilly dresses around the house, your four-year-old, it doesn't mean he's gay. No. It doesn't mean he's transgender. Like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, watch and listen and take cues from your kid. Right. But also, you know, one thing doesn't identify them. Exactly. Would you want someone to label you by one thing that you like? No way. Because we all like a hundred things. I like a billion things. I mean, a hundred million (laughs) things. A billion, yes. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just all about balance And listening and responding to your kid and taking your cues from them, you know? Mm -hmm. In the meantime, another thing we can do is to be mindful of how you talk around your kid. Mm. If you, and I know we've all had this, either we or people we know have, (gasps) just, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a little girlfriend at school? Oh, yes, 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 yes. My son is five. Yes. Back off. Yes, yes, yes. Drives me crazy. Crazy. Are you seriously bringing romance and sexuality into my son's <laughs> life? He's five years old. I mean, it sets up the expectation that that must be what he is supposed to have. Amen. Yeah. So, for instance, talking to or in front of, children will listen, talking to or in front of your daughter about growing up and having boyfriends or marrying a man or vice versa, talking to your son mm-hmm. about that sends the message that girls are supposed to like boys and boys are supposed to like girls and that anything outside of that is wrong or not normal. Mm-hmm. While kids this young don't know their sexual orientation yet, assuming they're straight could make them scared to come out to you or feel bad about themselves later. Mm-hmm. We are planting the seeds now for the relationship we're going to have with our kids later. No pressure. It's a hot button topic for me. That stuff. That gets my goat. And I think it's because, thankfully, in my maturing adult life, I grew up around a bunch of artists. Ah, yes. And I learned and I loved and I started to identify myself within that community. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, this is what it's really about. So when any of the droplets of that come into me and my kids' lives from outside, I get like, I get hot. I get real hot. 
It's a, yeah. And it's not that thinking that, you know, the way that society has been, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just give me and my children their space to be who they are. Yeah. That's it. And to figure it out. To figure it out. I don't like these, like, the periods being put on all these things. And I can't, like... <laughs> it makes you nuts. It's hard enough for me to get up in the morning. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, people. For crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and along those same lines, I'd be mindful of how you talk around your kid, talking to or in front of them. If you do hear some questions from them about gender or observations... Mm-hmm. Now, here's something where I am not good. And Blair, it's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. It says, engage them in conversation. You may hear them making observations like only girls wear pink or telling you a preference like I don't like playing with boys. And then ask them, first thing you do is ask them questions about why they think that. Right. And if what they're saying is rooted in stereotypes, give them the right information. And how do I do this wrong? Thanks for asking. I'd love to tell you. <laughs> I have a knee-jerk reaction and I shut it down. Yep, same. <laughs> don't say and that. Get, yeah. Colors are for everybody. Colors are for everybody. And I'm sure that's very off-putting to my son. And I can't believe I'm doing it. And I can't believe I'm admitting it right now. And I'm going to stop. Mark my words, listeners. I am going to stop. Because it's hard because I am so sensitive to it. Of course. I want my kid to be, to not think that pink is just for girls. At one point, we were at a birthday party recently. And one of the gifts were these awesome like snapping bracelets, you know, those bracelets that like snap, you snap them on. Mm-hmm. And they had unicorns and rainbows on them. And they were kind of iridescent. Boy, they were awesome. I was like, oh, I wish I had this when I was a kid. <laughs> but my son leaned over to his really good buddy, another great kid, they're great kids, and said, I heard him say softly, these are girl colors. Mm. And I said, oh, what was that? And he looked up at me with a... <laughs> He's like, oh, here she comes. A look of like, oh, here she comes. Here comes old mom. And he goes, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Colors are for everyone. Unicorns, rainbows, everyone. Oh, yes, absolutely. I said, oh, good. Well, I'm glad you were just kidding. Because you know, of course, that all colors are for everybody, right? Colors don't belong to gender. Okay, great. Have fun. Have a great time at the party. I'm fun. I'm the fun mom. Molly, I have been in the exact same situation. And instead <laughs> of just talking to my child directly, I have announced to everybody at the party, colors are for everyone. Okay? Let's make sure... We're not gendering these toys and these colors, okay? All right, keep having fun. I like to imagine that (laughs) at that moment, all the kids were playing somewhere else and you just yelled that at the parents. Just want to make sure that everyone knows that I know that colors are for everyone and that I'm inclusive. And if anyone on this playground or anyone at this party feels left out, judged, shamed, you come and sit next to me. Yes, because I am woke as hell. I'm woke. Yeah. I'm the wokest. So we are all are just looking for balance, right? We're looking, me and Blair are looking for balance for being a little too knee jerk about people genderizing our kid or each other. And we just need to find that nice balance. We're going to listen before we jump down their throats about how pink is for everybody. We're going to surround them with books and movies and all kinds of things that is going to open, keep their world open as far as who they can be. Again, we're planting the seeds now for who our kids are going to be later. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more when we get back. Stick around. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we're talking about everything gender. 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 Gendery. What's good about it? What's not good about it? What's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All the things. Who needs it? Uh, who needs it? Who needs it? Yeah. I identify as Blair N. Brooks. The N stands for nasty, if you want. How's that song go? Nasty. Nasty Blair. Okay. But the bottom line is, it does exist. It is in our world. It does. And... What can we do to help our kids navigate through all these beautiful choices that they have in life? And how do we not limit them from jump? Another great opportunity for a great teachable moment, besides just being present and, you know, being there for them and keeping our eyes and ears open to the cues that we get from them, is they might see another family that looks different from your family, from your own family. Mm -hmm. Whether this be a kid who's being raised by their grandparents or two moms or two dads or anything in there that just veers from what they have seen as a family unit so far, which is yours, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's an awesome teachable moment. So just take a minute and explain to the kid that they're right. What they're noticing is different from your family, but that there's nothing wrong with it and that we can always be friends with people who are different from us. You know, Britt Hawthorne mentioned that in the anti-racism episode as well, mm-hmm. is that her she's so invested in her kids growing up knowing that the, it is amazing to have friends that don't look or act or, you know, come from the same background as you. Mm-hmm. I think that's all part of it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a family that looks different from ours and that we can always be friends with people who are different from us. You're going to be steering your kid in the direction of respecting others as they grow up. And it will also one day help them figure out the kind of family they want to build for themselves. There it is. I love that. 
there it is. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. They're not ours forever. They're not ours to keep. So in this way that we're trying to plant the seeds now for, you know what I think of it as is like a mom wants to get on the subway, but she's being followed by five kids like ducks, right? Subway doors are closing in front of her and she throws her hands in there and she holds those doors open so all her kids can get on and then she slips in, right? So that's what we're doing for our kids. That's a (laughs) super weird metaphor to say that we are trying to hold the doors of life open for our kids. I get it. So Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank goodness. Another way that we can keep those subway doors open for our kids is also when their gender identity doesn't fall within the traditional constructs. So that might be a transgender identity. So what is a transgender identity? This is from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. For some children and youth, the gender expectations that are connected to the sex they were assigned at birth don't match or fit. Mm -hmm. Some children and youth will clearly identify that their gender is actually the opposite of the sex they were assigned at birth, indicating a transgender identity. There's also a gender expansive identity or gender nonconforming. I'm sure we've heard of this. Other children and youth may feel more in the middle when it comes to gender expectations, indicating a gender expansive or gender nonconforming identity. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. in order to mm-hmm. keep those subway doors open, <laughs> let your kids light and get, let your kids light <laughs> shine. How do you know if your kid is trying to tell you that they're transgender or gender nonconforming, rather than just exploring within uh, gender roles? Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because also, again, like we said, just because your kid is spinning around in a you know kid who was assigned boy at birth is spinning around in a pink frilly dress does not mean that they're gay. It doesn't mean that they're trans. It just means that they're right figuring stuff out. It just means you're being a kid, really. <laughs> That's kind of... They're just being a kid. They're just being a kid. Awesome. Just- so experts say that transgender kids will tell you what their gender identity is in a way that's very definitive. And these are the three words we're looking for. Consistent, insistent, and persistent. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so they're consistent. They don't go back and forth about their gender. They clearly identify with one particular gender identity. They're insistent. They feel very strongly about their identity and get upset when they're told that they're not the gender they say they are. And persistent. How they identify themselves stays over time. Now, here's an interesting thing. Mm. So that's a great way to see if your kid is truly, you know, there's a good chance they're moving towards being transgender. I have found in my experience that I have had that same kind of consistency, insistence, and persistence from my son in the fact that he is a boy. So that's an interesting thing. We have these two... Yeah. Right. Yes, 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 yes. That's what I was thinking. Yes, totally. There's a book that we have called It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity. It's written by Teresa Thorne. First of all, great book. So inclusive. So wonderful. Explores a few of the different ways that somebody might be gender nonconforming, might be trans, also might be cisgender or fall within the traditional gender lines. Mm -hmm. When I read this with my son, there is the brother of one of the main kind of characters. It's not necessarily a narrative book. But the brother of one of them said, <laughs> this is actually amazing. The main person that they're following, Ruthie, she has a brother named Xavier. And it says, that means when Xavier was born, everyone thought he was a boy. And as he grew older, it turned out everyone was right. He is a boy. Boy is Xavier's gender identity. When we got to that part, my son, and we got this when he was probably three and a half, <laughs> looked at me and went, I'm a boy. And I go, oh, yes, yeah. Does that, you know, do you connect with that? You feel like Xavier? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm a boy. <laughs> So that was when he was like three and a half. We read this book in the last month. Uh And, you know, it's hard to get him to not read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. But every once in a while, (laughs) I can slip in another book. (laughs) And we got to that point and he laughed. And he goes, I remember this. Xavier's a boy. And I'm a boy, too. (laughs) 
It was really funny. And so again, they're persistent, very consistent. Yep. He's insistent about everything. But yeah, just the same. So that was an interesting signal that I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, another great source is um, IO, literally IO Tillett Wright. He's a fabulous writer, has a beautiful podcast called The Ballad of Billy Balls. This is for adults. But he has a book he wrote called Darling Days, and it is about his life growing up trans as a trans kid. And it is fascinating. It is beautiful. It is engaging. Everything he writes, I'm down for. But Darling Days is a really beautiful book. And it helps from the person, you get the first person's perspective from a child's viewpoint. Mm. And it is, it's really beautiful. It's really, really Can I just clarify, is that a book for us adults to read or is that more for children? That's for us adults. So yeah, that's great. If you're needing, you know, it's also an audio book. Hey, I know that Blair loves an audio (laughs) book. Every day. Why is it so important for us to keep our eyes and ears open and look for these kinds of signs? Because as most of us are aware, these children and youth might feel different, alone, misunderstood, or unsupportive, and that can lead to really tragic emotional, mental, physical outcomes. For instance, experiencing body changes that don't fit with or are the opposite of a child's gender can be equally distressing. These children can experience distress, low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts later on. Body changes, I assume they mean like going through puberty. Mm -hmm. In addition, stress about where to go to the bathroom at school, and that can affect kids as young as those who can identify that their gender doesn't fall within traditional lines, can lead Mm -hmm. to disordered eating and gastrointestinal Mm. issues. Oh, it's like real important that we're open and sensitive and aware of what our kids are trying to tell us. We are, because we're planting seeds and those can be good seeds or bad seeds. So let's try and keep them positive, right? What can you do to support them? In that article I was reading from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Linda Hawkins, PhD, is the co-director of the Gender and Sexuality Development Clinic there. And they have three tips. One, I know this is going to sound obvious, but it's so good to hear. Always. Family acceptance is the best medicine. Holy guacamole. Yes. Yes. Don't wait till your child leaves a home to find the family that accepts them. Yes. It's their safe place. The family can be their safe place. Yes. Dr. Hawkins says, when you have a loving, supportive family and caring adults who can help children accept themselves... Almost all of these potentially disastrous health outcomes that I just mentioned completely wash away. The especially nice thing I like to highlight, they say, about parent and family acceptance as the best medicine is that there's no copay and you can't overdose on it. There it is. (laughs) Family acceptance is the best medicine. Wow. A couple of other things you can do. Become an educated ally. Us. Educated. I.E. on educated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some key educational support resources um, Dr. Hawkins recommends for parents. This came up in another one, too, was Gender Spectrum. Mm. Go online and go to the Gender Spectrum website. There's a lot of support there and education and the Human Rights Campaign. They're also online. You should connect with the community. You are not alone. There's support to be found among other families who are also raising transgender and gender expansive or gender nonconforming kids. A good place to start is your local Mm. PFLAG group, P-F-L-A-G. And PFLAG is Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. Simply PFLAG. PFLAG. And the funny thing is, when I Googled that, one of the first links that came up was the town next to mine. 
So you may actually find a chapter closer to you than you think. It has over 400 chapters across the country. They provide confidential peer support, education, and advocacy to LGBTQ plus people, their parents and families, and allies. Awesome. I love that you are not alone. That's what we say on Toddler Purgatory all the time. All the time. You never are. Your community is out there. Yeah. Yes, it is. (sighs) And just, you know, I said it before, but like I said, like, I have been so, so thankfully a part of an artistic community for so long. And I have to say that, you know, the mindset is shifting. But when I graduated from high school, when I went to college and we all were figuring it out, I had a good number of friends who did not have that support at home and hadn't had that support at home. And it was really tough. And it was really hard to see them go through the things that they went through. And thankfully, all of them made it out. And they are beautiful, thriving, wonderful people with families and beautiful lives and careers. But I just love the idea of just like family support is the best medicine. And what you set up inside your home, the love that you grow inside of your home only goes further when they leave the nest. Yeah, be their safe place and be their open mind. Like- Open their world, keep their world, wrestle those subway doors open (laughs) to their life (laughs) so that they're not closed by society, by peer pressure, by expectations that have been around for generations. Who needs them? Just because they've been around for generations doesn't mean they should stick around. Who needs them? Just because they're old doesn't mean they're right. (laughs) Precisely. I too. Why, why? We got it. Well, thank you all so much for being here on Toddler Purgatory. You know, please, if you get a chance to do all those things podcasts ask you to do, (laughs) rate and review, tell your friends, please tell your friends, maybe post an episode if one really speaks to you, it might speak to somebody else too. And we really appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.